1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: What is going on, everybody? And welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. We are sponsored by Bet365, and we'll have a nice deal for you there, especially if you live in Kentucky. Uh, I don't know how many people who live in Kentucky are hockey fans, but... Uh, well, you know, we'll see the schedule. NHL schedule is just wonky this week. We have 16 games tonight, one tomorrow, 11 on Thursday, one on Friday or something, something random like that. I think we're, no, there's a show on Friday, but I don't know why the NHL chose to do this tonight with the start of NBA. They could have done it last Tuesday when there was literally the only other competition was like Uzbekistani table tennis. So like, but like they chose to do it. On the opening night of the NBA, DraftKings didn't include the three games before uh, seven o'clock, so the slate's going to lock at seven p.m. Eastern. They did it last Tuesday; the GPPs would have been ginormous. Uh, But tonight, they're a little bit muted because the opening night of NBA, they probably have like twenty-six million to first, and we're scrapping for an Arby's gift card. But that's just how it goes. We're here for the thirteen-game slate. I really like this slate. How was your weekend?
3: <laughs> uh, no, I had a I had a pretty good weekend. Um, kind of low key. Uh, went through, like I said, um, I said on Saturday. I think I was I went to I went to Killers of the Flower Moon on Friday night. That was just that was a really really good movie. Uh, thankfully, unlike a lot of people in the states, apparently, um, the Taylor Swift concert the music didn't play over my movie as it did in a lot of theaters in America for some reason. But uh, lucked out there. Um, yeah, I mean. As far as the NHL schedule goes, like, I like this idea. I really do. I like the idea of having all 32 teams play today. Um, You know, you can kind of highlight specific matchups. You have hockey, you know, basically all night long here. Uh, The Philly-Vegas game is starting uh, after midnight. So it's going to be a late one uh, in the Atlantic time zone. But, yeah, just, you know, don't do it on the opening night of the NBA. Um, They should have done it last week. Even waited for Saturday, you know, after a few days of the NBA, um, you know, maybe it it, it quiets down a little bit. But we're here. We're here for 13 games. There are a lot of interesting spots on this slate. There are, you know, obviously with Connor McDavid out, we'll get to that game later. um, It really does kind of open things up because you have Connor McDavid out. You have Colorado on the road facing Yulia Sorokin. you know, there are a couple of good spots for high-priced guys, but this isn't a spot where you're really super – and, you know, Austin Matthews and the Leafs aren't on the main slate. So the, a lot of the high-priced guys are either not on the slate or it, not in necessarily good spots. So it, it's really interesting for a 26, 2016 slate in that sense.
2: Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm glad – well, I'm not glad McDavid's hurt, but, like, I'm glad he's not on the slate. I'm glad Matthews isn't on the slate. So there's actually – you're not just have to be like, oh yeah, McDavid's going to be thirty percent, and we're going to jam in twenty percent LA three with them or something. There's actually options on this slate. I uh, I, I just wanted to tell you now because uh, the last few years on Halloween you've been wearing a costume by yourself. I haven't acquired. I have acquired a Halloween costume for our Halloween show. So next Tuesday I will be dressed the part.
3: Well, that's nice to hear. I mean, I like I would wear a costume every day if they would let me. I don't think um, we'd be able to get away with that. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what you have cooked up for Halloween.
2: Yeah. Cosplay and NHL DFS we can make it work.
3: Yeah. Why not? yeah.
2: Uh, let's get into the slate. There's a lot of games. Um, but before we do, uh, make sure to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with our all of our shows. DFS offers giveaways and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. If YouTube isn't for you, you can find all of our content over on the Stochastic podcast channel. Give us a five star review there. That helps us out a lot as well. And don't forget to sign up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar on DraftKings and Fandle. Uh, you can do that at stochastic.com/avatar, place in the top three of a the contest. There were 5K contestants. Tweet the win to at StochasticHOF. On X, if you do not have the X machine, you can email us with your screenshot and you'll win a free month of Stochastic package of your choice. Carolina with a 3.3 total heading into Tampa. The Lightning have a 3.1 total. Man, there's so many games on the slate. I kind of overlooked this one a little bit. There's almost no ownership on Tampa here tonight, which is, you know, not surprising. But it's not like it's in Carolina. They're, the top line will probably avoid that uh, Jordan Stahl line. They're going Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Alex barry Ballet, Who scored the other night? It was a sick feed from Kucherov. The second line is Stamkos, Hagel, and Nick Paul. Sorelli uh, down on the third line was Geno and Morella. I, there's question marks if Aho's coming back tonight. We haven't seen anything this game. You know, as it stands, Netches Bunting Teravainen was the top line the past few nights. They're getting some a fair amount of ownership here. I would assume we're going to get an update at some point on Aho. I'm I'm worried it's going to come at <laughs> um, pregame warmups.
3: That's when it's going to come. Yeah.
2: So, you know, I I don't have a feel either way. But if he does play, he's going to slide in between Neches and Bunting, and Teravainen is going to go somewhere else, probably a nascent spot. Does that affect you at all on this slate?
3: What affects me is not knowing if Sebastian Ajo is going to play or not, because um, that changes things around um, a lot on the Carolina side. Like one of the big issues is that Tara Vinen is listed as a center, right? Um, now, mercifully – with all the games, like, we probably should have mentioned the games are staggered start times, so there's one game starting at 7 Eastern, one at 7.15 Eastern, one at 7.30, so on and so forth. So whatever, you know, whatever happens, you'll be able to get a full swap in if Ajo is in warm-ups, right? But then you might have to, you know, mess around with your lines, because if Aho if Teravainen's on the top line, or, or even the second line, you're looking at a double center line, right? That's kind of that's one of the problems here is like um, you, you might have to switch around your secondary stack uh, things like that. If, if Aho plays and it's not like, we've talked about it uh, on the show already this season, like Tampa Bay struggled defensively to start the year. And this is something that's gone back to the end of last season, basically the final, like 25, 30 games of last year, they weren't very good defensively. They haven't been good defensively to start this season. Like it seems like it's a good matchup for Carolina. I just wish I knew who the hell was playing tonight. Like that's kind of the problem, because like Jarvis and Caqueniemi have looked pretty good together. Like I, you know, I'm a Montreal fan, so I have to kind of rag on Caqueniemi a little bit. But him, him leaving the the franchise wasn't his call necessarily. You know, he signed over for over six million dollars when he had almost no track record to his name. I don't think you'll a lot of, see a lot of people turn down six million dollars. Oh, you know. That's what it is. It is what it is. His entire problem was, is not necessarily generating offense. His problem has been generating good quality offense. And him and Jarvis have been able to do that in their limited time together. They're only up to like 40 minutes, but their expected goals for is flirting with three, which is not something that you see a lot from Cockney Usually you're around like two and a half, if not below. So they have been generating some good quality. It's not a tough matchup against Carolina. You know, I don't mind Jarvis Kock and Yemi, and Nason um, where they're going to be getting probably the top line matchup, the Kucherov, um point and Barry Boulette uh, matchup. And they're not good defensively. Like that top line for Tampa Bay will trade chances back and forth. And Jarvis Cockney and Nason aren't coming in with much ownership. I don't mind like a two man of like Jarvis Cockney or something like that. We just don't know if they're going to be together at warm up. So that's kind of the problem. Like it's hard to recommend them. Um, without no, not without knowing what the lineup's going to be, so I do like Jarvis Cockney, Aminace, and Nason. Probably a two man out of that um, on the Carolina side. On the Tampa side, like I, you kind of do have to consider Tampa one here tonight. Like you really do. Like Carolina's goaltending has just looked very bad to start the year. Like Carolina as a team has been giving up a little bit more defensively than they usually do, and they do take a lot of penalties. They're top ten by time shorthanded this year. They usually are year after year. It's just that they have a great penalty kill that limits. Um, power play goals against, but you know, you give Kucherov and Stamkos a point and those guys like four or five chances, they're probably going to burn you once. So I don't mind Tampa one here tonight. I think it would probably be more if I was 20 maxing or, or one hundred and fifty maxing or something like that. But on it, I think it's Jarvis, Cockney, I kind of like best. I just don't know if they're going to be playing together. Yeah.
2: And that's the issue. Luckily it's the first game you'll be able to full swap. You're, um, crunching man i like on a slate this big you better have two ready to go and you just better hope that your Aho one if he plays is ready to upload sometimes if you have a ton of rules on fantasy cruncher the crunch can be a little bit slow new jersey devils they 3.8 total heading into montreal the canadiens have a 2.7 total Montreal is one of the teams who played last night. They beat Buffalo. Buffalo is just coming out of the gate a little bit flat here. Um, looking at the top stacks, our highest top two stack percentage is New Jersey top line Hughes to Foley Timo Meyer. Not overly surprising. Jack Hughes has ten points in I think like six games this season. They're all primary. He doesn't have any secondary assists this season yet, which is kind of scary. Uh, that line is twenty one eight. They're coming in with positive leverage. They're getting a Montreal team back to back. Jake Allen went last night, so it's probably going to be uh, Montembeau tonight. I don't know, man. I really like the Devils here tonight. We always talk about the big guns, and we leave like when we say like you know McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews. I think Jack Hughes is very rapidly joining the conversation of big guns here if he's not already there.
3: Yeah, I, I would say he's there. It, like, you know, for, he'll be confirmed there by the end of the season. I think he's there already. It, it was interesting <laughs> looking up uh, some of the numbers in this game because Hughes, Tofoli, and Meyer over the last three years are like fourth, seventh, and 14th in, in shots per minute in the league. Like, these are three of the 15 most shot-happy players all playing on the same line in the league. So um, that's got to wonder how that's going to work. You know, Jack Hughes is a really good playmaker. Tyler Toffoli, I think, is an underrated playmaker. Timo Meyer not so much. But, you know, as long as he shoots. You know, Timo's definitely off to a tough start this year, but he's still shooting a lot. Like, he's not shooting at an elite rate, but still a very high rate, at least at even strength. And, you know, he didn't mesh well with Nico his year. Maybe he'll do uh, better with Jack Hughes. Uh, you know, they struggled a little bit towards the end of last year but they're still generating north of three expected goals per 60 minutes. Like they're generating good quality, even if they weren't generating like a pile of shots that you might expect them to. Um, I love New Jersey one here tonight. I really do. Um, one of the issues with Montreal, like Montreal is actually playing reasonably well. Like they're that. don't get me wrong. They're riding percentages to a degree, like to a pretty high degree, but they're also playing well. Like that's kind of the, the crux to that whole thing here. The issue with Montreal is that they're also the most penalized team in the league. They're giving up almost six power plays per game to the opponent. That's like that's like three power plays too many per game, literally. Um, you would want to see them at half that rate by the midpoint of the season. Um, and the penalty kill generally hasn't been very good. And New Jersey's gone to that stack top power play unit, right? Like you have Timo's not there, but you have Hisher, you have Brad, you have To Foley, you have Jack Hughes. Um, if those guys get like four, five, six, seven power play opportunities against this Montreal team playing the back to back, like I, I have a feeling that they're going to put like at least one in the back of the net. And, like you said, coming in with all that positive leverage, like we're expecting them to come in under 10 percent. I like I love New Jersey one here tonight, they're one of my favorite lines on the entire slate. My, my bigger conundrum is what to do with the stack. Do I leave Timo there? Do I take Timo off and put somebody like Jesper Bratt or maybe double center with Nico Hissier? Like I'm a big double center guy with this team with Hissier and Hughes. You know, one of those guys that are usually involved in all the goals, uh, if not both. Um, so the question is what to do with Timo Meyer. Like I think you're perfectly fine to leave him there. Like Montreal is not a great defensive team. Like they've been better this year so far than they were last year, but they're still not a good defensive team by any stretch. Um, so there's plenty of even strength damage that Timo can do. Um, but if you want to take Timo off and put Brad on, take Timo off, put Hishir on, you know, put Luke Hughes on the blue line, the power play defenseman. I think that's perfectly fine as well. Um, it is New Jersey one that I like the most here. Like I've no, if you want to dip down in New Jersey two, like I have no problem with that. Brad Hishir and Palat. Uh, Brad's been Brad's been quietly on a tear. Like if if it hasn't, if it hadn't been uh, for Dak Hughes, like doing so well to start this year we'd probably be talking a lot more about the fact that Jesper Brad has eight points in four games. <laughs> like he's been really, really good. Um, so I, I do like that New Jersey second line as well, but it is a New Jersey top line. I like quite a bit. Um, you know, they are coming in 22% near top stack percentage, you know, top uh, over on our DraftKings top stacks, top, top over on the FanDuel top stacks. Um, it is New Jersey one for me. It's just a question of what to do with Timo Meyer. The Montreal side is kind of interesting here. Um, Caulfield, Suzuki, and Harvey Pinard have have been playing well together. Like Harvey Pinard is the guy that came in at the end of last season and played real well with Suzuki, and they've kind of carried that over to this year. They moved him up a few games ago after after Kirby Doc got hurt. They're not coming in with a lot of ownership either. And you know, New Jersey's goaltending is what New Jersey's goaltending has basically been for I don't know, but since Corey Schneider started getting hurt, basically. Um I don't mind Montreal one here tonight. I but I think it's kind of that if I was twenty maxing, I might have one of them. If I was one fifty maxing, I might have three or four percent. I just don't know if I'm gonna get there in single entry.
2: Yeah, I mean they they don't have the lowest total. I mean it's a two point seven, they're at home, but you know for Montreal that's not bad for a total.
3: But yeah. No. It, it no, it's not. And that's it's kind of sad to say that, but no, it's
2: not. I just remember last year we're like, oh, Montreal at 2. home 2.1. Yeah. 2.7's yeah. not bad, even with dock out. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think you can definitely have them in your portfolio if you're MMEing. Dallas Stars with a 3.3 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 2.2 total. Uh Nadelkovich is confirmed for Pittsburgh tonight's first start in nine games. This is an interesting one. There is none, no, zip, nada, no ownership on any of these lines here. I mean, uh, except for Dallas 3, they're coming in, you know, 2.4%, but they're, you know, they're a filler here. Like the top line for Dallas coming in at 1%, the Pittsburgh top line under 1%, Pittsburgh 2, under 1%. I kind of like this Malkin, Raquel, Riley Smith line. Uh, Riley Smith and Evgeny Malkin have got off to a very good start this season. I feel like, you know, the crosby hints matchup, they're kind of going to neutralize themselves a little bit. I know the the Crosby line likes to trade chances, but the Dallas top line has been pretty good to start this season. I, I like uh, pit two in this game. Not sure how much I'm getting in one lineup, but if I was playing three, I, I would definitely consider some top six stuff here.
3: Yeah, I'll start on the Dallas side because I did write them up for my picks article today. Uh, Free to read up on stochastic.com. What a great website. Um, Just head on over to the NHL section. I wrote up Dallas one. And what I mentioned was they're not getting a lot of ice time, right? So, you know, you're looking at if you look at like Florida, Colorado, you'll see the top guys play 20 minutes plus. The centers will play like 22, 23 minutes, uh, you know, quite often. Um, these guys have been like 16 to 18 minutes this season. And that was something that they did quite a bit last year. But what I pointed out in that article was that Jason Robertson, since the start of the 2021 season, has had 18 games where he's managed at least three points. Of those 18 games, half of them have been in games with under 18 minutes of ice time. So nine of those 18 games have been with less than 18 minutes of ice time. It's They are one of the most efficient scoring lines at even strength in the hockey, um, if not the most, honestly, like you could probably put them up against Toronto One when Toronto One is really rolling. That's kind of the, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Is Dallas top line is one of the most efficient scoring lines in hockey. They do not need 22 minutes of ice time to absolutely break the slate, and they're coming in at about one percent ownership. Now Pittsburgh's actually played reasonably well this year it's from the games I've watched it's like mental lapses it's like a wrong pinch is costing them a goal a guy jumping into the play or not making the pass he should is costing the goal it's not necessarily playing poorly or or being bad defensively or anything like that right so you know if they can kind of tighten up those mistakes it feels like a pretty good bad bad matchup for Dallas but one percent ownership on this top line
0: did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage
3: Like, we ha- they have to be in consideration at least. Like, I don't like them as much as I like New Jersey because Pittsburgh is a much better team than Montreal. Uh, and Montreal will take way more penalties. But Dallas 1 is absolutely one of the lines, you know, again, I'll say 20, 20 max, 150 max that probably should be in there somewhere. They're, I'm considering them for single entry as well because, like I said, they're not coming in with any ownership, and they can break a slate. But, like I said, by the end of the first period, basically, that's how good they are offensively. It's just a matter um, of the goals going the right way. So, I do like Dallas one quite a bit here tonight. I understand why people might not want to play them. Like, I think Rope Hints was at like 16 minutes in the last game, and his his point per dollar projection is like one of the worst that you'll ever see on the projections here tonight. Uh, He was projected for under 10 DK points. I think he's $7,000. Like that's just one of the worst projections that you'll ever see. Uh, But again, a lot of it is tied into the ice time, the fact that they're on the road and all that, but they can, they can decimate anybody. And we have seen like, we we've seen Chicago roll into Pittsburgh and beat their brains in right already this season. So it's not like it's an impenetrable fortress for this Dallas one line on the Pittsburgh side. I just, I don't have as much interest. The thing is, is like Pittsburgh one is coming in, at about the same ownership, at about the same price. And I think Pittsburgh 1 playing Dallas is a lot tougher than Dallas 1 playing Pittsburgh. That's just kind of the way I look at it. So between the top lines, I'd rather play the Dallas top line. I agree with you. I think the second line is in play because uh, the Dallas middle six hasn't been as good defensively um, as they were last year. I'm still worried that Wyatt Johnson is eventually just going to kind of turn it up a notch and just start stepping on people's throats. (laughs) and He he can do that. So I, I do like Pitt too. I don't think uh, I won't be playing them in single entry. It is Dallas one I like the most in this game by quite a bit. Yeah. All
2: right. Sign up using the link in the description box below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. You get player and ownership projections, top stacks, tools, line combinations, and the most important part, you get access to the Discord, which is invaluable. Tons of sharp minds in there. Cliffy's always in there. I'm always in there. Jake and his chisel jawline is always in there. Haas and his catering trays are in there. There's just a lot of people willing to help you. If you have questions, pop on in, say hello, say you came from uh, the show, and we'll greet you warmly. San Jose Sharks with a 2.6 total. Heading into Florida, the Panthers have a four total. This game is a mess because the Sharks are one of the worst teams defensively in the last decade. The Florida Panthers... Prices are not reflective of that. The top line for Florida nineteen two, the second line for Florida seventeen six. They're coming in. The top line is coming in with a little bit of positive leverage. They're more expensive. The Verhage Kachuk E two D two Loosterin line. A little bit of negative leverage here. I think it's just kind of pick your poison here. I will tend to go when I'm facing off against the Sharks I'll take the more expensive less owned line you're you're completely fine just power play stacking you're completely fine going to the second line I think if you have a lean on what to do with the Panthers you do it I think the bigger question here is what to do with the Sharks because the top line for the Sharks Tomas hurdle Anthony Duclair Alexander Barabanov twelve thousand seven hundred, and they're getting over 20 minutes a night and it's not like the Panthers are a good defensive team. They take a ton of penalties, they trade a ton of shots, Babrowski's shaky and net. This this game is important and it sucks.
3: <laughs> That's actually not a bad way of putting it, I guess. Um, yeah, this is a fascinating game. Like, I don't think we have to go in too much on Florida. Like you said, San Jose is an awful, awful defensive team. Um Basically, all their lines are awful defensively. Like, you don't have to worry about matchups. Their penalty kill has been awful to start this season. Like on and on and on and on. Like the issue with Florida is just the ownership. Like, I was looking, I was just looking now at the latest run. There are 10 players on this slate projected for at least 15% ownership, and six of them are from Florida. Six of them are from one team on a 26 team slate. That's how much ownership is going towards the Panthers. That worries me because like I, I think if you play Florida tonight, I the way I would approach it is probably probably a Josh stack. And for anybody unfamiliar with the Josh stack, at least on DraftKings, it's just stra- stacking six skaters uh, from the same side in a game because you can stack up to six players. So the entire top line, add Kachuk and Luce the Ryan in, throw Oliver Eckman Larson on the blue line, and away you go. Uh, something like that. Um, there's just so much ownership here. That it feels like one of those games where I don't have a problem. I actually don't have a problem with like one offing Barkov or one offing Matthew Kachuk or something like that because it's such a large slate otherwise that I don't care if I have a one off Barkov coming in at 20%. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't matter when there are 25 other teams to pick from. Um, the question is just what you do with their stacking because, you know, that Florida second line has been pretty good this year. They haven't been as good as they were last year, which is a little bit concerning. I got to think part of that is just missing so many defensemen, you know what I mean? Like if if, if the top guys are out with Barkov and, and Reinhardt, like the top defensemen, after that, you're getting to like Matt Kirstead and, and like Josh Mahura. And, and like there's just not a lot there, you know what I mean? So um, I do like the Florida top line. I wrote up Sam Reinhardt in the picks article. Yes. Four straight uh, two-point games. Um, They've certainly uh, come around a lot um, with Evan Rodriguez there. It, it, it's just a matter of ownership. You have to decide how much ownership you're willing to eat tonight because there is going to be a ton on Florida. I think between their first and second lines, we're expecting one in three lineups in large field GPPs to have a Florida stack. And that doesn't include power play stacks or Josh stacks. So, like, there's going to be a lot of Florida. It, it, I, I would go to the top line, but you know, obviously they're in a phenomenal spot.
2: It's warranted though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, not like it's bad chalk. No, this bad is, shock. this is
3: not Nashville of last year when they yeah. were coming in 20 some percent owned. And it was like, why? Like you said, the question is what to do on, on the San Jose side, because their ownerships come down a lot through the day. The initial projection was closer to 10%. Now they're under 6%. And I looked at the, somebody gave me a little tip. I looked at the $5, uh, GP MME GPP on Saturday night when San Jose was on the slate, a slate like this, and Thomas hurdle was 2%. And like you said, they're going to play a ton of minutes. Um, They're all, they're on the top power play unit. They're probably going to play 20 plus minutes. Like, yes, they're bad for how cheap they are. You only need a couple goals, right? You don't need a, like a hat trick. You don't need a, like a three assist game from somebody. Like a couple of assists and a few shots from Bear Banoff and he, you're laughing. And a couple goals from Hurdle and you're laughing. Like that's kind of the issue here. And like you said, it's not like Florida's a tremendous defensive team. I I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't mind San Jose 1 as a filler stack here like as long as as long as they're as cheap as they are and playing as much as they are don't forget Anthony Duclair revenge narrative um as long as they're this cheap and playing as many minutes they have to be at least considered as a filler stack because you're not going to get a lot of filler stacks playing 20 minutes a night I don't and I don't care how bad the team is at that point
2: yeah and that's why you know the Arizona lines of a few years ago were always in that similar boat you know what I mean like they're playing 19, 20 minutes. Yeah, and someone on a bad team has to score in that that first line. Yeah, they're not great, but, like, Ek- Oliver ekman Larson top pair in 2023, really scares you defensively, you know what I mean? So it's like you, you got to consider them. Colorado Avalanche with a three total heading into Long Island. That sucks. The Islanders have a 2.6 total. Uh, Colorado mixing up their lines a little bit here. Uh, the top line is McKinnon, Arturi Lekkinen, Valerie Nishushkin. Second line, Amika Randon, Ryan Johansson, Tomas Tatar. Third line of Duran, Colton, and Miles Morningwood. He might rise up tonight. He might not. Um, that top line's kind of interesting. I, I wish Nishushkin was on the top power play. Not that this is the matchup for it. Uh, I said that last time when I faded the Devils going into Long Island and the Islanders took five penalties and the Devils scored four power play goals, but I am not dwelling on the past and we are looking forward here. Um, They have good positive leverage here tonight. Uh, I like Colorado one. I would probably throw them in a tier under New Jersey one and Dallas one for, you know, spend up lines Uh, on the flip side. I don't know, man, uh, 13, nine for Nelson, Palmieri, Engvall. I don't mind that.
3: Yeah, I here's the thing is Colorado's top line is really in the same price range as the Dallas top line. I would probably just rather play Dallas. Like that's that's kind of the issue here. Like like <laughs> thankfully I didn't play on Friday so I didn't get smashed by the Devils cuz I would probably faded them too. Um but I like I'm not a fan of, of going up against Ilya Sorokin, when he's at home, when the Islanders are at home, A, they can dictate matchups. B, they usually don't take a lot of penalties. Like you said, that was one bad night. I mean, those things happen over the course of maybe 82-game season. Um, But they don't take a lot of penalties, and and you're facing Sorokin. So, like, the that's kind of the issue that I'm running into here is, like, you're get, you can get Dallas one at much lower ownership. You can get, like, Minnesota one at higher ownership, but with a lower price and – and um, what I think is a much better matchup. Uh, so like, I, that's kind of my issue with Colorado here is like, I don't actually hate the spot. And I think, I think the honors may be even a little overrated um, defensively, but you're still facing argu- arguably, the be- best goal in the world. He's certainly among the top three. Um, and you're facing a team that usually doesn't take a lot of penalties, which is in Colorado tends to make hay. So like, or make hay on the power play. So I, like, I don't hate Colorado here. I just think that there are other similarly priced spots that I'd rather go. The Islander side is what's really interesting to me here because they've moved um, Anders Lee to the top line. And Lee and Horvat actually played a lot together last year after Horvat got traded there. And they generated some really, really good offensive numbers together. They're at 3.3 expected goals generated per 60 minutes and over 300 minutes together. So that's a reliable enough sample. The problem was they couldn't finish, which is, you know, it's the New York Islanders that's been the problem forever. Um, Adding Matt Barzal to that line should help the finish a little bit. Colorado's a pretty good defensive team, but they also take a lot of penalties. They're tied for the sixth most so far this season. um, And they weren't shy of, of heading to the penalty box last season. Again, not probably not something I'll get to in single entry, but I, in large, in if I'm if I was playing a ton of lineups, that Horvat-Barzal Lee line at sixteen thousand two hundred on DraftKings that looks really interesting to me um, at home, even going up against the McKinnon line because they're coming in under one percent owned. Horvat and Lee have looked good together in the past. Um, like the biggest problem is just shooting percentages, and all it takes is one night for shooting percentages to go your way, and you're at the top of the charts, right? So, like I said, I don't think I'll get there in single entry. If I was playing a ton of lineups, the Islanders top line would be one that I'd be heavily considered. For sure.
2: Seattle with a 2.9 total heading into Detroit. The Red Wings have a 3.2 total. I think Ty uh Carte. Cartier. Cartier.
3: Cartier.
2: Yeah. Uh moved up to the top line with McCann and Beneers. I mean, it's I don't know. It's Seattle. He's top power play, though, and he's like 2,700. That being said, like, DeBrincat looks home with next to Dylan Larkin. Lucas Raymond's actually looked okay. Um, that has line's he, coming in. What?
1: Has he? You sure about that?
2: You sure about that? Um, I don't know. Eight for this line. The point is this line's 18,800 coming in under a half percent projected owned against Seattle, which is a decent team. It's just goaltending issues. The Brinkat has been lights out to start the season. I, I kind of like Detroit 1 here just as like a nice con- contrarian GPP play. Um, on the Seattle side, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not full stacking anything. Maybe I'll one off some stuff.
3: Yeah. I So I, I, I do want to start with Detroit because it's kind of, I'm up two minds with Detroit. One, obviously, it's a fantastic start, and it's one that's kind of justified. Like, they are generating a lot. They're over three expected goals. I think they're over three expected goals for 60 minutes to bring Cat and Larkin on the ice together. Um, you know, they're up to 70 minutes together. It's, you know, still a small sample, but it's not tiny. The problem is twofold. One, the, like, obviously, there's a ton of regression coming. You know what I mean? Like, you don't produce the way they have without uh, regression coming your way. Like the catch shooting over forty-two percent. Like, you know what I mean? If he was if he was shooting twelve percent, he would be much higher than he had been in either of the last two seasons. So it, it just just to kind of give like a a little heads up on how much regression might be coming. The others they're not playing a lot of minutes. Now I know it's because a couple of the games they're beating the brains out of the opponent and they didn't really need to play a lot of minutes, but like 17 minutes a game, you know, that's Dallas one territory, the Dallas one line that we were talking about. Seattle's still not a bad defensive team. Like they're not great, but they're not bad, and they're certainly they've been good on the penalty kill. You know, goaltending is always the issue, as it always is with Seattle. But I'm gonna be honest; it's kind of the Seattle side I think I like better here. Like Ty Cartier, uh, he was one of Seattle's better players uh, in the playoffs last year. After he got, because he got to the he got to the NHL as a prospect right at the end of the season, and then was in their lineup for the playoffs, and he played really well. This is a good prospect. He's not just some guy jumping from the fourth line to the top line. This is one of their top prospects. And I think it would probably, it's probably worth pointing out that he's on this roster and Shane Wright is not. And Shane Wright was the guy that was projected to go first overall in the 2022 draft. And Cartier is here. That's how he's been playing well. And Cartier is pretty much just a McCann replacement. Like, I don't think he's as good as Jared McCann, not yet. But as far as shot volume goes, he probably could fill what Jared McCann was doing, and at twenty, like you said, at twenty seven hundred, they're really a filler line at that point. And Detroit doesn't scare me defensively whatsoever. <laughs> like I don't care, I don't care how many goals they scored. I don't. They're still not a great defensive team. Their goalies have been playing well. I'll give it to their goalies, but you know, goaltending can fall fall apart any time. But if I can get that Seattle top line at one percent. On the road as a filler stack, there's you know there's your San Jose equivalent, but on a better team. Um, I think I like that Seattle top line the best in this game. Taking some notes
2: here. I'm gonna jot that down. Let's move on to another important but idiotic game: the Boston Bruins with a 3.5 total heading into Chicago. The Fighting Bedards have a 2.4 total. Uh, Chicago top line, Taylor Hall went on IR. So it's Connor Berdard, Tyler Johnson, and Nick Foligno. Andres Anthony C. Lucas Reichel, Taylor Radish, my man, on the second line. Um, Boston going, David Posternock, Brad Marshan, and Pavel Zaka. Debrusque, whatever, Matthew P. we'll call him, and Morgan Geeky. Don't mind that line, actually. I think it's Portois. Um, Boston won. 22,500, very low ownership. You were telling me before the show, it's a finishing issue, kind of like uh, the Rangers top line. Pasternak has not had that issue, but it's, you know, Marshan and Zaka. I I don't know, man. Like if you're going to give me Boston one here at two and a half percent, how do you not play them?
3: Yeah. Um, it's also kind of a shooting issue. I was looking earlier. David Pasternak is generating more sh- shot attempts per minute than Marshan and Zaka combined. Um, you know, obviously you'd expect Pasternak to shoot a lot more than those two, but you'd also like to see Zaka and Marchand shoot a little bit more individually. They just haven't been yet. Um, I'm not even going to bother talking about the Chicago side. Like I'm just not playing them. They're coming in, they're coming in over on. This is a brutal matchup against Boston. Tyler Johnson, he had a hot start for a couple of games. His, his shots are falling off. Nick Felino should be on the third line. Like if you want to one-off Corey Perry, go ahead. But
2: you Felino Revenge narrative. Nick Foligno has a revenge narrative with every team in the NHL and seven teams in the NBA. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, like, I, like just go play Seattle one instead. That's kind of where I stand on that on the Boston side. It's a lot more interesting because they are the most expensive stack on the slate, even strength stack anyway, coming in with very low ownership. They don't have a sample together because these three didn't play together last year, um, basically at all. So I worry um, I worry about this. I worry about the fact that um, Boston takes a ton of penalties and Chicago doesn't. So if Boston kind of spends like, you know, 15% of the game in the penalty box, 10, 15%, and Chicago doesn't take their penalties, then yes, obviously Boston, Boston would probably have to get there mostly at even strength. And that worries me for a line that is the most expensive line on a 13-game slate. So...
1: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18
3: plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's one of those situations where, again, if I'm 150 maxing, I certainly have them uh, included somewhere. Um, you know, if you want to take off Marshan and put on James Van Reemstack like, for that power play exposure or something like that, I, I, like, I think you can do that. Uh, but I, I just, I can't get the Boston here just because of the price. And because you can go to other spots. Like if you want to look at the, at, at some of the top two stacks, like, you can just like, just go play Colorado. I think would be my advice, right? Like they're coming in with about the same ownership and Colorado's like $2,000 cheaper. I, I would rather play Colorado here than um, Boston, even when factoring in the matchup uh, just because of the savings cost and because there's similar ownership anyway. So I don't mind Boston one here tonight. What I worry about is that it's one of those somewhat soft matchups and they end up playing 16 or 17 minutes like Dallas does. And, you know, maybe Martian gets moved down to the second line because they have been playing Jake DeBrusque on the top line before he slept through a team meeting. So, like, I worry about that they're going to move that around. I worry that they're not going to get a lot of, like, enough power play time. So, again, if I'm playing a ton of lineups, yes, I'll have Boston. I think in single entry there are just – there are other expensive spots I'd rather go to.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with that. In single entry, though, I think one-offing Pasternak is definitely in play, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
3: Like, if you don't want to one off like Jack Hughes, who's going to be higher owned, or Nathan McKinnon, who might even be higher owned, like just play Pasternak instead.
2: Yeah, who like Pasternak kind of like is one is one of the best players in NHL, and he's always never in the conversation when we talk about elite players. For some reason, he's just he just shoots the puck. That's all he does. He scores goals. Yeah, as we mentioned off the hop, go ahead.
3: No, I got nothing.
2: Oh, I'm talking to myself and I heard myself. Bet five. I, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are sponsored by Bet365. If you deposit $10 and bet $5, you get $150 in bonus bets. If you're in Kentucky, all you have to do is bet $1 and you'll get $365 in bonus bets. If you live near Kentucky and you're not in Kentucky, I would go to Kentucky and get that deal. Uh, the states for the $150. Uh, bonus bets are Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado. Um, Kentucky, you get the 365. That's kind of a nuts deal. I would imagine it ends this week. Um, so if you're anywhere near Kentucky, if you live in like Cincinnati or something, and you you know don't want the 115, you want the 365, I would hop in your Chevy Chevelle and hop over the border and get the 365. You have to be 21-plus to get this offer. Again, if you're in Kentucky, you have to be 18. I think you have to be 7 to get your driver's license in Kentucky, so who knows. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the next game. The St. Louis Blues with a 2.6 total heading into Winnipeg. The Jets have a 3.4 total. Looks like Alex Ayafalo has moved up to the top line. Instead of Mason Appleton, we rejoice, kind of, I guess.
3: like it's an, it's an improvement. Yeah. Let's just go with that.
2: They're coming in with a, a pretty high ownership here tonight. The Blues, <sighs> the Blues, the Blues. They said Pavel Buchnevich is a game time decision, but if he plays, they're leaving the Kairu Thomas sod line together. My fear is they're probably going to run a second line of Buchnevich, Shen, and Kapanen if that is the case, which I guess isn't awful, but like, I don't know, man. Like, why wouldn't you play your Kyru Thomas Buchnevich together? Um I guess the question in this game is whether or not you want to play uh Winnipeg one here. They're 17-5, they're fully correlated. They're coming in with a little bit of negative leverage. This is a very good matchup. The one thing I will say from a power play perspective, the Blues don't take a ton of penalties. So I guess you're expecting you're gonna have to have them get there five on five. So for me, like I'm in one lineup, I'm probably not gonna play them, but if I was 20 maxing, I'd for sure have them.
3: Yeah, and it's it's funny. Last year, like, Winnipeg really didn't take a ton of penalties, but historically speaking, Winnipeg is usually one of the most penalized teams in the league, at least if you look back, like, before the pandemic, especially in the Dustin Bufflin era. Um, but St. Louis doesn't take a lot of penalties. That's that's one thing that I noted in my write-up, because I did write up Alex Iafalo. Like, for his role, he's way too cheap, right? Like, Mason Appleton was playing 18 minutes a game on the top line, and he wasn't even getting top power play time. So, obviously, Iafalo, like, you know, etch him in stone for 18 minutes as long as he doesn't get injured. Uh he probably 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 has a good chance of cracking 20 plus. Um, you know, Winnipeg won, they're coming in with a little bit of negative leverage, but it's nothing extreme. Like if they're coming in 10 top two stack, 11 and a half percent ownership, like that's just fine. Uh the other thing is, is like St. Louis has low-key been really bad defensively this year. I don't know. Uh, low-key. Is it not low-key? Is it just kind of like <laughs> medium key? Yeah, they're just just
2: Bennington has been on a heater. That's what's saving him.
3: Yeah, that that's kind of the that's kind of the issue here and like there's no even if Pavel Buchnevich is back and on the second line with Brian Shen, like that's not a matchup that would worry me. Like there's no matchups on the St. Louis side that worry me for that Winnipeg top line. The issue is is that they don't get the power play time to really explode offensively. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that Boston problem. It's like if they only get a couple power plays, maybe they get 3 like, can they, can they cash in on it? Like, yes, obviously they're elite NHLers are good enough to, you know, go one for three on the power play, but you would like more opportunities than that. Um, I I, like, I I like Winnipeg one here. I think they're in a a really good spot. There's no The only concern is power play time, but you know, there are, there are power play concerns for a lot of teams. So I really do like Winnipeg one, Winnipeg two, like I want to play them, but they're coming in with a ton of negative leverage. We have them under 1% top two stack, but over 7% ownership, which is just wild. And funny enough, I wrote up at a different spot. I wrote up about Cole Perfetti's start to the season, and they're treating that line basically as like a a third line, if not a fourth line, um, which is absolutely wild to me. And he can't even blame all the spe- all the power play and penalty kill that Winnipeg has been going through. Because if you look at teams like Los Angeles and New Jersey, they're playing a lot in special teams as well. But they're still finding ways to give a lot of minutes to their second line. Winnipeg is not. Like, this perfidi, this perfidi Ealers line has been really, really good this year. They're just not getting any ice time. So, like, that's kind of the problem. It's like, yeah, they're super cheap, $10,900. they are in a good matchup. Go find a couple thousand dollars and play San Jose. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, honestly, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, you know, yeah, San Jose. I'd probably, I'd definitely rather play San Jose. Like, you know, one of the depth Montreal lineups. Um, that's just kind of where I am. So it's Winnipeg one or bust for me out of this game. Like, I don't, I don't have a ton of interest in the St. Louis side. Like, they've been playing fine with Brandon sod there. Um the power play just hasn't really been that great. Uh, Like I think St. Louis one is fine, but I think it's Winnipeg one or nothing for me from here.
2: Yeah. And I had a a few people in discord tag me about the flow chart. Still calibrating. We don't have enough data on it yet this season.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Get off our backs. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I didn't even break out the flow chart last year until around American Thanksgiving. Guys are so needy. (laughs) That's right. Um, the Edmonton Oilers with a 3.2 total heading into Minnesota. The Wild have a 3.3 total. McDavid's out for a few weeks. Uh, Edmonton going to the top line of Leon Van Vander Kane, and Matthias Hanmark. Why? Uh, I don't know. Second line of Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Warren Fogle. Minnesota is status quo. Pat Maroon was on the second line last game. He's still there now. Yay. I guess. Um, here's the thing. There's um, some pretty heavy ownership here on Edmonton without McDavid. Evander Kane was dragging down McDavid. And now he's on the line with Leon Drysaddle and Matthias Janmark. Leon Draisaitl, the past three years without McDavid. I'll let you give the numbers, but his scoring has fallen off a cliff. His Corsi numbers are way down, like they're below 50%. And then you get to the second line, there's 16,000 Hyman, Nugia, Hopkins, Fogel. Like, I guess they're fine, but like the owner, I don't want to, I don't want to play them at 11 and a half projected ownership. Like, no, thank you. So if you're into Edmonton tonight, play them. But I am on the Minnesota side here. Uh, I think the top line's fine. I even think the second line with Pat Maroon is fine. You can leave... Fat Pat off if you want. Um Marco Rossi one off, I think is fine. I'm on the Minnesota side here.
3: This is another spot where I'll say instead of playing the Erickson X, Johansson Maroon line, just go play San Jose. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I, I don't I don't know if I can make a three at three forward Minnesota stack leave Kiro Kaprasov off of it. That's just kind of where I'm
2: I off. Leave off Maroon, put in off.
3: Yeah, well, okay, but I just mean, like, if you're stacking that even-strength line. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's just, I, I have no interest in playing in a single entry line on a 13-game slate playing Patrick Maruse. Like, I'm sorry, man.
2: Yeah, uh, no. You <laughs> can't get
3: there. Yeah, I,
2: I would never get there. But the story remains, they're going up against a shell of Edmonton who've been awful.
3: Yeah, yeah. so – um, it is Minnesota one that I do like in this game. I do like them quite a bit because they're going to go into the second and third lines uh, from Edmonton. There's nothing there that concerns me defensively. They're also top 10 um, drawing uh, power play opportunities per game so far this season, which is pretty good. And Edmonton's top 10 for giving up power plays to the opponents so far this season. So this could be a pretty good power play spot for Minnesota, so yeah, I wouldn't stack the, stack the even strength Joel Eriksson line, but if you want to put them on with a with a Caprizov and and Zuccarello stack for a power play stack, like I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I think this is a really good spot for the Wild. They're coming in with positive leverage. They're not they're not really that expensive. The top line, um, nineteen thousand five hundred over on DK, like that's you know you have more than enough room to fit in a good secondary stack. They're even like relatively cheap on FanDuel, twenty thousand nine hundred. So like. I think they're fine across the industry tonight. They might get a, and this looks like, at least at the outset, a decent power play spot for them as well. Like, Minnesota's been pretty bad defensively, but um, at least on the power play, they've looked fine. So I, I think it's Minnesota one I like best. Like, on the Edmonton side, I I just don't get it. I really don't. Um, you were talking about uh, even strength production. sidle's even strength production goes down 30% when he's not with McDavid. Thirty percent—that is a lot—and then that doesn't even factor in what does the Edmonton power play look like without Connor McDavid? Because we really don't know. Like he hasn't missed a ton of time since his rookie season, right? So I'm going to—I am going to assume this that it's going to be pretty bad because <laughs> I looked at one one example we do have is Nikita Kucherov in Tampa Bay because he did miss a lot of time a couple of years ago. Um, I looked at the Tampa Bay power play without Kucherov over the last few years, shot attempts down 28%, goals down 40%, percent four zero percent And I think that's not a bad barometer for what we could expect from the Edmonton power play. And if the Edmonton power play is 40% less uh, effective, I don't want to play them here tonight. So I'm going to let other people play Edmonton. Like if you want to if you want to play their power uh, the play their power play go ahead if you want to you know play Matthias Yanmark and overown Matthias Yanmark, go ahead. Uh, I don't see it with the Oilers tonight. It's one of those situations where everybody everybody seems to be on the Oilers, and I don't understand why. And these kind of situations usually blow up in my face. So could be an early night for me here tonight. I don't see it with the Oilers. For me, this is a Minnesota game.
2: So the thing I'll say about the Oilers power play with out McDavid, I think they need to win the faceoff. Like that's an obvious thing. Like if the defense, if the Wild can clear the zone, who's zone entering? Like no one's stopping McDavid from entering the zone with the puck, right? Is it Bouchard? Is it Drysidle? Is it Hyman? You know what I mean? Like that's where the numbers are going to fall off. They're going to have trouble entering the zone and setting up without McDavid. Like, that's that's going to be a big problem. Let's move on to the next one. The Vancouver Canucks with a 3.2 total heading into Nashville. The Predators have a 3.3 total. I don't know. Like, I I feel like dumb and dumber here. Like, that scene is like, we have no food. We have no money. Our pets' heads are falling off. There's no ownership on this game. And I don't know why. Like, there's a lot of ownership on Edmonton. There's not a lot of ownership in this game. And I'm very confused. Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev coming in under 1% projected. JT Miller, Brock Besser, Philip De Giuseppe, about 2%. The top line for Nashville, who's been very good, by the way. One and a half percent ownership. I, I realized um the last game, they beat the sharks five-nothing, and the top line didn't do too much, but that game was out of hand by like the end of the first, so they didn't really have to do anything. I like both sides here. I think my favorite would be the Pedersen line. 15 8 coming in projected under 1%. Am, am I going crazy? I know the answer to that question, but like, what, what am I missing?
3: Um, I don't know what you're missing. Cause I wrote up the JT Miller line in my, in my picks article today. It was Dallas and Vancouver. We're, we're in the picks article. Um, what I mentioned was going into Nashville, the Pedersen line is going to see Ron O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg and probably the shutdown pair of Ryan McDonough and Alex Carrier and low key that, McDonough-Carrier pairing has been one of the best defensively in the NHL so far this season.
2: Carrier almost had a combo meal the other night.
3: Yeah, he's playing more minutes because, because they're playing so well. Um, so I'm not super high on the Pedersen line. It is the Miller line, miller besser DiGiuseppe Giuseppe line that I like better. Um, they're generating, I what I noted in the article, is they're generating uh, over one shot attempt per minute while they're on the ice at 5-on-5. And anything at that rate, that's really good volume. And it's kind of unusual for a JT mother line. Usually they're not super high event. Usually they focus more on quality, but they're actually getting both, um, which is a good sign. They're getting a ton of minutes. Miller's almost at 22 minutes a night. Besser's at almost uh, 20 minutes a night, both on the top power play unit. Um, Neither neither team has really good penalty kills. In fact, I I was looking earlier today, These two teams are last and second last by shot attempts allowed per minute on the penalty kill. So uh, it seems like a decent power play spot for both sides. Um, Like you said, not a lot of ownership on either of the Vancouver lines. If you want to leave DiGiuseppe Giuseppe off and turn it into more of a power play stack by adding Pedersen, by adding Kuzmenko, uh, Quinn Hughes on the blue line, something like that, I think that's fine. I like Vancouver too uh, a fair bit here tonight uh, going into Nashville. On the Nashville side, I did have Tommy Novak as one of the centers uh, in the picks article today. Uh, they've been a lot better since they dumped Philip Tomasino off the line. Small sample, but um, they have played better. Uh, he's also seen a lot more ice time. That was the one of the issues with Novak early in the season. He was like 12, 13 minutes. He's been closer to like 15, 16 minutes of late and under $4,000 on DraftKings. You know, 15, 16 minutes. That's perfectly fine. Um, what I noted in that article is, you know, the JT Miller line has been good offensively. They've also been pretty leaky defensively. And that's a matchup that Novak's line might see a fair bit of. Um, they're allowing 32% more shot attempts whenever the Pedersen line is off the ice. So this is kind of a matchup where the I think the goal, whichever goalie plays better is the one that's going to stonewall defensively. Like, I know it seemed kind of facile to say that, but you know what I mean? Like, between uh, the two goalies... They're kind of, they've been kind of saving each other's team, uh, saving their respective team, sorry, over the last couple of years. years, um, whichever one falters is, it's could make a pretty good DFS night on the other side. It is the JT Miller line that I like best in this game overall, but I do think there are basically four playable lines in this game. So I think there's a lot to like here. I agree. I like a lot of that game and
2: there's no ownership. NBA starts tonight and get access to any stochastic NBA DFS package for 20% off when signing up with the promo code. Oh, there's no hardwood read. It's tip off promo code tip off. Just the tip off. Um, Promos only for the first week of the season. So I would sign up now. Uh, The package includes uh, NBA Sims. They just got those out. Uh, Contest generator and late swap tool. You can build up to 5,000 lineups on Stochastic in 60 seconds with the contest generator. The base package allows you to build up to 500 lineups and export up to 20. The max package allows you to build up to 5,000 lineups with unlimited exports. So if you're an NBA player, I would suggest using promo code just the tip off. It's just tip off. Um, And signing up for NBA.
3: I was wondering if you were going to make that joke.
2: I'm predictable, but predictability <laughs> is not bad. Um, you know me too well now. I, I, nothing gets past you. The New York Rangers with a 3.1 total heading into Calgary. The Flames, who aren't very hot, have a 2.9 total. Judy was
1: boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs>
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
1: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never
1: win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: See website for details. The flames are a mess. Um, I don't know what they're doing. We don't even know their lines. Uh that being said, Andrew, Andrew Mangiapane was back on the third line uh, with Backlund and Coleman. Yeah, I know. I can't help myself. Clayton also knows me too well. He also can't see my hand, so he's probably freaking out right now. Uh, Huberto got moved off the top line. It was Lindholm, Coronado, and Ruzichka for a while there. And Huberto was on the cadre line with Dubay. I don't have a ton of interest in the Flames tonight. Uh, that being said, I think whoever is on the back on line, it's probably going to be Coleman. They're going to go out against the Mika Zemanjan line. So that's going to leave the Pito Panarin left from matchup against the Cadre line and the Cadre line with Dubay. They have decent numbers, but they're pretty high event. So I, I think from this game, I think the only line I have a ton of interest in is the Rangers second line. If you want to go to the Rangers top line, I think that's fine on the calgary side it's kind of hard to know uh they might go back to their old lines they may not so like this is one of those you have to see the the skate beforehand
3: yeah we'll i mean that's kind of the problem here too is like you know with all the staggered starts a ton of the games are going to have been started already once calgary hits the ice so doesn't leave you a lot of options if you got to swap off somewhere um, assuming Coleman and Backlund go out against this ad line, like I'm, I don't have any interest in this ad line. That's just a terrible matchup for them. I guess Calgary's goaltending has been bad enough that, like, if I was playing on this ad line, I could still get there here tonight in DFS. But I'm not super excited about playing against, about stacking a line against Coleman, Backlund, and Majipani assuming that they're together. So I'm out on Rangers one. I agree with you. It's Rangers two. The other two lines for Calgary, assuming that they're kind of constant from what they have. Uh, From what they showed on the weekend, Um, there's no line that worries me defensively. Like Elias Lindholm is easily the most overrated defensive player in the league. I just, I don't have any time for people saying he's a great defensive center. Like he's just not. He's not a great Uh, offensive center either. Yeah, exactly. So um, there's really no matchup concerns for me for that Panarin, Hito, Lafreniere line. They're not coming in with a lot of ownership. They have been really, really good to start the year. Uh, 3.7 expected goals. 4.6 4.6 actual goals per 60 minutes. I know Lafreniere only has one point. Uh, it was a goal. He hasn't assisted on any of the goals that have been scored on the ice. And he usually assists on 30% of the goals that are scored with him on the ice. So he probably should have like two or three assists by now. Um, it's just one of those small. It's just one of those two-week variance things. That, you know, if this was the middle of the season, we wouldn't bet an eye. So um, Panera and Hito Lafreniere is what I like best out of this game. I Like, I don't. Like, I'm going to be honest, it probably is Calgary three that I like the most on the Flames side. Backlund, Manje, Ponty, Coleman. I think it's easily their best line by a mile. Um, you know, the Rangers power play is starting to improve uh, a little bit. The Rangers don't take a ton of penalties. So, I'm, I like, I don't really need all their power play guys in my lineup if I'm playing Calgary. So, it's Calgary three that I like best, the in line. We just don't know if that's actually going to be the line of warm up. And there are only two more games after this. So, it, it could leave you know, DFS players in a lurch if all of a sudden Calgary goes full blender with their line. So I think I'd rather just play it a little bit safer and just go with the Rangers' second line.
2: Yeah. I mean, back and Coleman probably going to be together, but, like, it's not a guarantee. Also, like, this advantage, Kreider-Taco, pretty decent defensively, but, like, ah. If you're, if you're getting to Calgary, it's definitely in the MME portfolio. Let's move on to the next game. Arizona Coyotes with a 2.7 total heading into Los Angeles. The Kings have a 3.4 total. These Kings lines are your chomp fillers of the night. Fiala, Pierre, Lac Dubois. Alex, I always messed up because I just said Alex Lafreniere. What is it? Lafreniere. Lafreniere, thank you. Uh, that line is 13.8, and they're coming in at 14.4% projected ownership when the Rangers' second line is 13,900 at under 1%. Adrian Kempe, Kopitar, Byfield coming in over leverage as well. Trevor Moore, Philip Deneau, Arthur Kaliev, very over leveraged here. I think one of my favorite plays, another decent uh, sneaky GPP. Play. I, I said Detroit one earlier, but I I actually like this one better. They're $400 cheaper is Arizona one. They're coming in with almost no ownership. They're a very, very good line, not just for Arizona. They just are a good line. Phoenix Copley and net for the Kings This is the second start of the season. This first one didn't go too well. Kings without uh, Arvidsson kind of are a mess defensively. It just kind of like messes up the whole lineup. I I, I kind of like Arizona one here.
3: Yeah. Like I I just said in the YouTube chat that I don't usually sweat ownership that much on a, on single entry in a slate this big, but for me, like, there's a difference between playing uh, a line that's like a 12% top two stack coming in at 15% ownership and a line with a 1% top two stack coming in at 10% ownership. Like at a certain point, it does matter a little bit. Like we're expecting, if you include power play stacks, a reasonable assumption would be, like, one in three lineups tonight will have some sort of Los Angeles Kings stack. in. like, that's how many people are playing the Kings. Here's the thing. Like, I get it because the Kings are good offensively. Um, Three fairly balanced lines. None of them are expensive. Oh, cheap. Yeah. Here's the thing is one of the reasons we used to stack against Arizona all the time last year was that they would take a ton of penalties. Like, they were by far the most penalized team in the NHL this last year. I get that it's only been a, a five-game sample so far this year, but they're in the bottom 10 for opportunity power play opportunities given to the opponents so far this season. Um, we talked how little the Islanders give up usually on the power play. They've been giving up fewer power plays than the Islanders so far this season. Not only that, but they've been good defensively. Like I don't think people kind of realize just how good Arizona has been uh, on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, to start the season. Um, they're only giving up 30 like under 31 shots uh, per 60 minutes. like it's basically right in line with the Islanders when you include like all strikes. Um at even strength, it's closer to the middle of the league. like this isn't a terrible defensive team. If this is a middle of the road defensive team that doesn't take a lot of penalties, This isn't really a great matchup for the Kings and certainly not one where lines should be coming in at six, seven, eight times your top two percentage. So I'm with you. I'm on the Arizona side here. Keller, Hayden, Schmaltz getting almost no ownership. Yes, they're expensive. You know, if you want to take out, uh, you know, uh, Barrett Hayden, put in Cooley, I don't really have a problem with that. But it is the Arizona top line I like, Um, you know, Arizona penalty kill has really not been that great to start the season. So I think that's kind of what's working against them. But again, they're not taking a ton of penalties. Um, you know, the Kings penalty kill itself has been very good. But we're getting Arizona under 1% ownership. And we, I went and looked last year. This is basically the same Kings team as last year. Just add, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and Vladislav Gavrikov. It's basically the same team. Arizona scored eight goals in two games in Los Angeles last season with a worse team. So it's not that they can't get there offensively. Obviously, it's not likely. But if I could get them at a half percent ownership, like Arizona, like I I talked about New Jersey earlier, New Jersey and Dallas. Like New Jersey and Dallas are really the lines that I'm considering, and I can't pair Arizona with them because they're too expensive. If I was three maxing or 20 maxing tonight, I would probably have Arizona somewhere.
2: I agree. I like Arizona better than Detroit. By the way, I would play Arizona one before I played Detroit one tonight. Let's move on to the last game of the night, an 11 p.m. Eastern start, and I am considering it. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers with a 2.5 total heading into Vegas. The Golden Knights have a 3.4 total. I don't. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stay up late tonight. That's just what it's gonna be. Uh, Vegas going. You know, Eichel, Marcia Barbashev. Barbashev got moved off that line, whether he got benched or moved. I'm not 100% sure. Mark Stone, Stevenson, Howden. Excuse me. Flyers going with Cam Atkinson, Owen Tippett, Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton, and Forrester. That Vegas top line has not been great Uh, five on five, even back to last year defensively. I, I kind of like this, this Couturier line here tonight. They're a little bit negative leverage, but not too much. They're 13800 right in that same price range of the Pierre-Lac-Dubois line and the Rangers' second line. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like this late-night hammer of the Flyers' Sean Couturier line, and it makes me physically ill to say that, but I am definitely considering them in my mix.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not that Vegas is a, like, bad defensive team or anything. Um, There's, you know, there's certainly, like, obviously, they're nowhere near the worst defensive teams. If you look at what they've done so far this season, they're basically middle of the pack um, by shot attempts against per 60 minutes at even strength. They're basically middle of the pack by expected goals against, like, they're... Their expected goals against for 60 minutes are is worse than Ottawa. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't been. They've been good. They're not elite. Like, and there is a pretty big difference between those two uh, terms when you when you factor in the matchup. Um, so I'm with you. I kind of like Philly one here. Atkinson, Tippett, Couturier. Um, w- one of the problems is like Vegas doesn't take a ton of penalties. I like Philly doesn't have a good power play anyway, so you don't really need it. And they're not priced to the point where you you know, you know probably need a power play goal from them. Like a couple even strength goals would probably get you there. So uh, like I'm with you, Atkinson, Tippett, Couturier, 79 shot attempts, 4.6 expected goals per 60 minutes and a small sample so far this year. Like uh, Couturier and Atkinson will probably be close to 20 minutes. Um, Tippett's still shooting 0% on the season. Obviously that's going to turn itself around. He's a big volume shooter, so... I do like Philly one uh, on the Vegas side. I don't, I honestly don't like Vegas here tonight. Like I don't <laughs> Philly arguably has the best penalty kill in the league to start the season. And I like, I know it's only been six games or whatever, but easily allowing the fewest shots and shot attempts against for 60 minutes in a six game sample. I don't care when it happens is really oppressive for a team that looked like a tire fire at this point, two years ago. So, um, I think I'm kind of out on Vegas here tonight. Like they the top line is still certainly playable because they'll get a lot of minutes. Um, you know, they'll probably get some depth matchups and once you get away from Couturier, it's not as tough. Uh, but I think it's the Philly side that I like here just because, you know, you can get the top line at like $4,000 cheaper. Like that matters a lot. So I think it's Philly one. I like then Vegas one. And then after that, probably not a whole lot from this game.
2: Yeah, you can one-off Travis me too. I think that's always in play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coming up after us, we have the NBA Deeper Dive at 5.30 with Lafayette and Josh Engelman, not to be confused with Josh Harris, the better-looking fella anyway. NBA Live Before Lock at 6.30 with Greg and Eric. That's always a fun show. Uh, those two are... Well, it, it's basically just Greg just throwing Eric under the bus for an hour and a half. So if if you like that. You definitely should tune in. Let's talk a little bit about uh defensemen here. Uh, There are 26 teams on this slate. A lot of defensemen, some Hughes brothers maybe. Who are you liking?
3: Uh, I'll start with the expensive guys. Obviously, Roman Yossi still at the top of the list. Um, Don't mind Josh Morrissey. We talked about how good of a spot Winnipeg's in here tonight. Um, he's still getting the minutes, top power play time and all that. Uh, and I'll mention Shea Theodore as well. I just saw on Twitter that uh, they're saying Alex Pietrangelo is still not ready to return. Theodore's been playing a lot of minutes since Pietrangelo left. So, uh, like I said, I don't think it's a tremendous power play matchup for Vegas here tonight. But he's still getting enough minutes where he doesn't really need to get a power play goal or power play assist to uh, to give you good DFS value. Mid-price range, Noah Dobson really stuck out to me. Um, With Scott Mayfield still injured on the Islanders' blue line? Dobson's been getting a lot more minutes. Like that was the whole problem with Noah Dobson at the end of last year, started this year was playing 18, 19, 20 minutes. He's been more like 23, 24 minutes since Mayfield got hurt. So Noah Dobson, obviously Oliver Ekman Larson from Florida, but a lot of people are going to be playing Oliver Ekman Larson tonight. Uh, Quinn Hughes still shooting the puck, man. Like we talked about earlier, in a small sample, he was one of the top shooting defensemen in the league on the season. And then their last game, he goes out and puts six shots on goal. So uh, I really like Quinn Hughes. I think he's turning himself into a little bit of a different defenseman and it makes him underpriced. Uh, Mike Matheson from Montreal, and I'll mention Arbor Jackye from Montreal as well, because they said David Sabard, uh injured his hand blocking a shot last night. They're running out of defensemen again. Like There are only so many guys they can give minutes to. Mike Matheson might push 30 minutes here tonight. It's not really a tremendous matchup for Montreal, but he's just going to get so many minutes. And that's why I said Albert Jack Jackeye as well. Because I think Jackeye, X-H-E-K-A-J, if you're looking him up on DraftKings. Um, he played like 19 minutes last night. And when they have a full lineup, he's usually like 15 minutes. I think he could get close to 20 for under 3K, and he runs the second power play unit for Montreal. Um, Noah Hannafin as well. Assuming Rasmus Anderson doesn't play tonight, he's supposed to be suspended. He's appealing. I haven't seen uh, an update on that. Um, if Anderson's out, Hannafin's certainly a play for the Flames. Uh, speaking of the Flames, Nikita Zadoroff, assuming Anderson's out, I like him for cheap. Obviously, Luke Hughes uh, from New Jersey in that game, Arbor Jack as well. Igor Zamula mentioned him uh, in the picks article uh, with Philadelphia's injuries on their blue line. He was pushed. He was over 20 minutes last game. They went to a four defense rotation. He was one of those guys in the four defense rotation. So I think he's 2,700 on J- DraftKings, but like 4,400 for some reason um, DraftKings, he's a way better option. Um, Adam Larson, like I say, anytime he's under three under 4k, I'll play Adam Larson. Uh, Dimitri Orlov as well, because Brett Pesci won't be playing for Carolina. So that's going to be more minutes for those top four guys. So I like Dmitry Orloff um, and Alex Carrier from Nashville. He's still cheap enough where he's playable. Carrier is one of the ones I had
2: starred, if you did not mention. The other one is Sean Dersey. He is a bit expensive on DraftKings now, $5,400. is his return to LA, if you do like to live on Narrative Street. But for his role, that price is fine. Yeah. Let's talk about goalies here. The first one, That obviously jumped off the page was uh, Sorokin at 7,300. Volume is king. He's going to see it. Uh, Even Igor at 7,900 I think is fine. People, you know, not a big Igor stackers now. He had a couple bad games, but I think he's fine. Uh, Philip Gustafsson also at 7,900. Anytime he starts, um, I think he's in play. Who else you liking? Because there's not much where I go, man, uh, I don't want to play you know I was thinking Sorokin it stands out obviously but is there anyone else that really stands out to you
3: yeah Connor Ingram obviously Mackenzie Blackwood for San Jose like he's probably gonna get lit up but in the chance that he doesn't (laughs) I mean let's face facts here um on the off chance he doesn't he's gonna see enough volume to put up a good uh good score like in that game against Carolina, he gave up six goals and still provided over one DK point per thousand dollars, which obviously not a good score, but he didn't go into the negatives or anything like that. That's just what happens when you see as much volume as he does. Um, Connor Hellebuck on FanDuel, he's I think he's seven thousand dollars on FanDuel, like anyways. Um, Carter Hart, um, I didn't see if, if Carter Hart got uh confirmed uh for he didn't Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't think we'll get confirmation, but Carter Hart for the Flyers uh, going into Vegas. Don't mind him as long as he's playing.
2: Yeah, 6900 on DraftKings is a nice price for him. Uh, I guess there's pun intended on that, but uh, that
3: was not the intention. Uh,
2: who are you liking for your hat trick pick?
3: Uh, I'm going to go with a guy I spoke highly of uh, earlier in the show, a guy whose line that I'm heavily considering stacking tonight at very low ownership, and I'm going with Jason Robertson.
2: I'll never say no to Jason Robertson hat-trick. I'm going uh, Joel Erickson-Eck. I need to redeem myself after saying I'd potentially put Pat Maroon into my lineup. I don't know if I said it, but it was kind of (laughs) sad.
3: I mean, hey, listen, I've said a lot worse. Trust me, I've said a lot worse. the The first guy that went into my picks article today was Igor Zamula. So... That's so- I
2: would yeah. play Igor Zamula 100 times before I got to Pat Maroon once. So.
3: Yeah, okay, fair enough.
2: I, I think the list is very small on the players who I'd play Pat Maroon over. <laughs> Did I say that right? I don't know. I don't even know. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday. Tomorrow's a one game slate. There'll be some showdown, but uh, it's another big slate on Thursday. We'll also be back on Friday. NBA starts tonight. So if you're playing that, good luck. Stick, stay tuned for the NBA show. Smash that like button on the way out, and good
3: luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? which is why we should do our best to protect it. To get insurance that helps you protect your home from whatever the Lowcountry throws at you, contact C.T. Lounds & Company today. Their local agents can review your coverage to help make sure you're properly protected. C.T. Lounge & Company has been helping protect and insuring the Lowcountry since 1850. Visit ctlounds.com to learn more and request a quote. That's C-T-L-O-W-N-D-E-S